2: Your perfect home, sweet home.
1: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, back together. Uh, Buck, this is a a fun episode. Look forward to it every year where we preview these conference championship games and see if we can't learn something from how those teams uh, were constructed. So we'll get a chance to jump into that in just a little bit. But we do have some newsy items as well as some draft stuff. Uh, I'd love to get to here right off the top, including a couple coordinator hires. Uh, Let's start first of all here, Buck. Alabama, Uh, they lose their coordinator, Bill O'Brien. He goes back to the New England Patriots uh, where he once was seen screaming and yelling at Tom Brady on the sideline once upon a time. Seems like a million years ago. Uh, But has a relationship with Mac Jones. He's the new uh, quarterback coach and OC uh, for the New England Patriots. Your thoughts on that one?
4: Uh, Best of both worlds for Bill Belichick. Uh, The reason I say that is because Bill O'Brien is well-versed in the old Patriots offensive system. That system has been the same uh, since, what, 2000, when they took over and they became kind of the evil empire of the National Football League. And one of the things that people have always talked about, the consistency of the system, because you have a defensive head coach in Bill Belichick, but they were somehow able to keep the system the same meaning different coordinators, but it didn't matter because they had the same playbook for all the players. Uh, you got comfortable in their system and you had a lot of success. This year they tried something new, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, kind of handling the responsibilities also with Mac Jones, and it didn't quite work out. Well, now you have Bill O'Brien, who not only knows the system, but he knows the player. And if we talk about the quarterback being the most important piece of the puzzle, you want to give him someone that he has familiarity with, someone who has history with him, someone who knows his strengths and weaknesses as a player. Well, Bill O'Brien knows that. And so now you think about building Mac Jones back up while being able to just kind of get everything back on track. Bill O'Brien was the right choice for this job. And so uh, I think you can expect the Patriots to be more efficient, more effective on offense because they have someone who knows exactly what he's doing.
0: I think it's nice. Just you have a singular voice, you know. I think one of the things that happens, especially with young quarterbacks, when you have a bunch of different voices in their ear, I think that's a bad thing. I think having that singular voice, voice here, there's no, it's not nebulous. You're not wondering who is it. Is it Patricia? Is it Joe Judge? Like who's he dealing with? Who's calling the shots here? Um, it's very laid out right now. And there's a history between those guys. I think anytime you can hire somebody uh, with your quarterback that has a scheme familiarity, that's a, that's a bonus. Anytime there's a relationship. Uh, history. That's a bonus. When you marry the two together, I think it's a home run. So I, I don't know that they could have made a better hire there in New England. I know we had all heard the rumors and stories about how frustrated Mac Jones was last year. You know, I heard stories about him talking to his old coaches uh, out with the Raiders and, and, and voicing kind of some frustration uh, about the way things were going there in New England. But uh, I, I think this, as good as can be expected, um, I don't know that they could have made a better hire. I love this move for the Patriots and for Mac Jones
4: yeah i I agree um it it was a great move because one bill o'brien is experienced in a few different areas one he's been a head coach before he's been the offensive coordinator under bill belichick and if you're robert Kraft, maybe just maybe as you begin to think about bill belichick over 70 this and that maybe i need to put a succession plan in place so maybe i also have that in mind when i make bill o'brien come over as the offensive coordinator Pam Hansley to take over and rebuild this offense. Maybe I do that with an eye to the future of him eventually maybe taking the torch from Bill Belichick, whenever Bill Belichick decides to retire.
0: All right. Another hire. uh, Again, we had 10 offensive coordinator openings. So these seats are starting to fill up a little bit. Now, another one that just came down right before we started here, uh, Nathaniel Hackett is going to go to the jets and everybody is connecting dots here. Uh, Obviously we know, the failure that he had as uh, his brief uh, tenure there as head coach of the Denver Broncos, but previously had, had been in Green Bay and had a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers. They're very close. Aaron Rodgers has gone out of his way to praise him. Um, and now with the Jets going on the record saying they want to bring in a veteran quarterback, you hire a, a coordinator who has a previous relationship in history With Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I think it's natural that those dots are being connected and people are saying, hey, maybe this is uh, maybe this is the first of two big moves here uh, for the Jets. Your thoughts on him uh, and the job that he's done throughout his career. There's been some ups and some downs for sure, uh, as well as what you think about what this means for the future at the position.
4: Okay, I'll work in reverse order like it's great that he has a connection with Aaron Rodgers. We can have the speculation about Aaron Rodgers. Falling in Brett Favre's tracks, going from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Jets uh, at the end of his career, and and maybe that is something to be true. I am surprised though with Nathaniel Hackett, particularly given all of the issues that the Denver Broncos offense had. I'm surprised that he lands, I won't say a plum job, but a really good job right away as an offensive coordinator. Perhaps the connection. Uh, you know how Rob and the LaFleurs are all connected and Nathaniel Hackett served as an offensive coordinator under Mike LaFleur and, and, and all of that. Matt LaFleur. So you, you have all of that. But I just wonder when you look at his body of work, he did have success briefly uh, in Jacksonville uh, with Blake Bortles. And so maybe if you think about trying to repair or fix whatever you have in Zach Wilson or whoever they decide to be quarterback, maybe that works. But coming off of that last exhibition where we saw him directing an offense, it wasn't very impressive. And so if you're the New York Jets or Jets fans, you certainly have to wonder how is this going to help elevate this offense when you, the the lasting memory that you have is a guy who struggled with game management, play calling, sequencing, all those other stuff. It's, it's a bit of an indictment on him.
0: Yeah. I, you know, the fascinating thing to me is, is this – you know, is this part of the plan? Is this the Aaron Rodgers avenue that they're going to go down? Um, if it is the Aaron Rodgers thing, then I think it, you can make some more sense of it. Um, if you're just stacking up Hackett with all the other potential candidates that you could have, assuming you know it's a different quarterback, I think there might have been some better options out there. Uh, but you know, hey, we'll see how this goes. We got to wait and see who the quarterback is and, and what that relationship looks like. It would make things very appealing to Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't have to learn a new offense. Come in there in a system he's he's been playing in, a system he's had success. He's won MVPs in. Um, that would be appealing to him, I think. I would be curious, you know, if there is a potential of him being traded. Uh, I would want to have that conversation on the Jets side of things um, with Aaron Rodgers to know, hey, like, th- is this is this you know just you know you kind of finishing out the string. Or is there, is there a rekindling of the mm-hmm. fire and you have a desire to go chase a championship here in your last couple remaining years? It, if you get a sense that there's a fire burning there and he's going to invest in a new team in the offseason and actually be around a little bit and you pair him up with his former coordinator, I think, I think it could work. I think it absolutely could work. If this is going to be he's out of the country and he's going to show up at training camp I don't like that man. I, I I there's other areas I would rather go. I would rather go in a different direction. Derek Carr would probably be that direction uh that I would be interested in heading in. I'd rather have an all-in Derek Carr than a uh show up at training camp in Aaron Rodgers and that's, you know, fully admitting what Aaron Rodgers has done in his career to, compared to Carr. But that's 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 my opinion on that one, Buck.
4: Yeah, the, the the Aaron Rodgers situation is is tricky because I understand what you're trying to bet on. You're trying to bet on a four-time MVP just helping your offense become good enough to support a defense that's played pretty well. Uh, the issue that I would have with Aaron Rodgers, he hasn't shown really a great ability to develop young receivers or to have that connectivity. We talked about the criticism that was levied at uh, the Packers' young receivers throughout the course of the year. So now you jump into another situation where you do have a very young wide receiver room. You have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and all those other guys. Like They're going to look to the quarterback forgotten so as you talk about being invested in the process is Aaron Rodgers going to be invested in spending more time uh, around the team that might help that it's New York as opposed to Green Bay Wisconsin and so maybe he can kind of sample the life in the city and all those things Um, but that part is what I'm more concerned about the leadership ability the connectivity uh, maybe the level of commitment is he going to be all in with the Jets if he does decide to make that move
0: yeah again it's a gonna be fascinating to see where the Jets go and what happens there uh, with their future there at the quarterback position. But the uh, the coordinator is in place and it is Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, a little draft buzz here, Buck, and then we'll uh, and then we'll move on here. Take a break, come back, talk about these conference championship games. Uh, I was talking to an executive yesterday, and uh, we had this discussion talking about this quarterback class, and it's a it's a fascinating one, right? There's no. There's no Joe Burrow, uh, you know, a consensus number one quarterback. There's no Trevor Lawrence consensus number one quarterback. There are those years when that guy is out there. This year, it's very much an open race here. It's very competitive uh, to see who that guy is going to be. And I was talking to an executive, and he said, look, everybody's talking about the big three, and we're talking about Bryce Young, talking about C.J. Stroud, and you're talking about Will Levis. He said, I would not remove Anthony Richardson from Florida from that discussion. He belongs in there. All these guys are flawed, Whoa. and if you're going to chase a ceiling, if you're going to chase a ceiling and say, man, you know, hey, we want to take our time to develop a guy, but we want this to eventually be able to pay off in a big way, and you look at some of these, as we call them, these cyborg quarterbacks we have right now, he's got a mm-hmm. chance to be one of those guys. Now, there is a lower floor. There is a lot more risk involved there, but his upside and what he can do is is on a different level than the other three. I thought that was fascinating. I don't think uh, people would uh, – would anticipate that happening. But he was like, hey, I wouldn't rule him out as coming through this whole process if he emerges as the as the first quarterback to go. Not even saying he could be the best. He's saying, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody you know, punched his ticket to be the first quarterback in the draft. So that was a fascinating conversation.
4: That is That sounds fascinating. It is a fascinating discussion. There are a couple of things uh, when it comes to uh, Anthony Richardson that I will discuss. One, the tools are off the chart in terms of just the physical ability, the physical dimensions, what he brings to the table big time arm uh outstanding athleticism running skills uh you think about the new school quarterbacks that are in that ilk. you think about lamar jackson and uh, justin fields and what they were able to do single-handedly to the offense just by adding that explosive running uh, ability to the offense yeah there's certainly some intrigue for a team that is looking for a spark at the position and then you go and you, you you dig down deeper and you think about okay well how can those tools translate to success beyond him being a runner. And you think about the teams that have gambled successfully on their quarterbacks and saying, hey, I'm going to bank on this guy's ability to develop into something that our imagination says in this meeting room. And so you think about the Josh Allens of the world. You think about Lamar Jackson and what, Those two guys were able to do and no one thought that they were going to amount to uh, high end quarterbacks, even though Josh Allen was taken at the top of the board. He has so many flaws that showed up in his tape. You just didn't know. And then I think the other guy is Pat Mahomes, not in terms of stylistically them guys being the same. But I think everyone has to go back and listen to the conversation around Pat Mahomes when the Kansas City Chiefs boldly traded up to get him. He was more of a sandlot player. You hadn't seen those kinds of players coming out of Texas Tech translate successfully or transition successfully into the National Football League, but lo and behold, he goes to Andy Reid, creative offense, right support and staff. He pops, and so when you think about these quarterbacks, it does require you to be a little more imaginative when it comes to making the projection because you put them in the right environment, surround them with the right players. Who knows what they could become? That's how you have to integrate these quarterbacks in today's game.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be a fascinating ride here with these QBs um, as we head towards the draft. I wanted to throw that little nugget out there, and we'll uh, we'll keep monitoring that, keep working on it. I know I watched all of his explosive runs, and it's eighty yard touchdown run, it's sixty yard touchdown run. He's running over people, running away from people, and I'm like, okay, he's big, he's got an absolute cannon, um, he's an unbelievable athlete. Now there's some worm burners on swings, and you'll see some throws completely get mm-hmm. away from him, and his feet will get all out of whack. But twitched up, explosive. Uh, dynamic. There's, uh, there's something to work with there uh, with Anthony Richardson. It'll be fascinating to see how we come through this process and how these quarterbacks stack up. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump in and preview the conference championship games, two very evenly matched games, two, uh, two that I'm really looking forward to watching this weekend. We'll jump into those right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
5: It's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
0: Titans Hall of Famer and Tennessee State head coach Eddie George face off against his former NFL coach, Jeff Fisher, as some of the best up and coming draft eligible players get ready to show off their skills for NFL teams. It's the 11th annual NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, Saturday, January 28th, 6 p.m. Eastern only on NFL Network. We are definitely in draft season uh, as we get these all-star games underway. Buck's going to be uh, at the East-West Shrine. We'll have all the uh, all the goodies there, all the reports on those players. We'll be talking about that on a further episode. I'm going to be at the Senior Bowl. We'll talk about those guys as well. Uh, but, Buck, we do have two big games this weekend, uh, including the NFC Championship game. This is going to be, I guess, slobber knocker is a good word. Uh, two of the most physical teams in the NFL, mm-hmm. the Niners going on the road Uh, to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Keys to this one, what do you think?
4: Man, this is a great game to watch, DJ. It's one of the ones that we've talked about all year. You talk about two teams coming into the game with impressive win streaks, and then you think about the way these teams are built. Let's start with your old team, the Philadelphia Eagles. You talk Mm -hmm. about investing in trench warriors. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles have done. You look at their offensive and defensive lines, they dominate at the point of attack. On both sides of the ball and so they can run the football when they want to they're great in pass protection and then on the other side man they just have a bunch of sack artists getting after it. first nfl team in history to have four guys with ten or more sacks uh they nearly caught up with the the, the bears to break their record this is a dominant dominant unit um, it'll be tough for the san francisco 49ers because they're one of the teams that can go toe-to-toe with them from a physicality standpoint and when I look at Jalen Hurts as deleted because this game is ultimately going to come down to quarterback play, I just give him the nod over Brock Purdy because of the dimension that he brings as a runner and thrower. A little different than Brock Purdy, but this would be a fascinating game to watch.
0: You know who's going to enjoy watching this game is, is uh, Jim Washburn, a you know, legendary defensive line coach. He's got his protege on one side and Chris Kassar with the 49ers. He's got his son, Jeremiah Washburn. Uh, working with those edge rushers for the Eagles. Both these teams, they they deploy his jet front where they are getting wide and they are flying up the field and playing that attack defense, Buck. It's, again, mirror images of one another uh, with these two squads. I like the Eagles front collectively better. I think they have waves of guys. I think they have better rushers across the board. Uh, But make no mistake, when you have Bosa and Armstead, I mean, that's a a big-time combo that they have there as well in San Francisco. Uh, I also think... I mean, you give me your thoughts on this one. I know they can move the pocket with Brock Purdy, but I think the threat as a runner of Jalen Hurts when you're playing against a really good front, I think that can slow them down just a little bit, maybe a little more. Uh, then Brock Purdy's uh, athleticism, he's a good athlete, but he's not going to be able to slow that front down quite like Jalen Hurts will.
4: Yeah, no, it's different. It's a different deal because the uh, the, the thing that you're looking at with the 49ers, uh, they're using Brock Purdy on the backside of bootlegs. He's not really involved in the running game as a quarterback on quarterback counters and powers and those things. Jalen Hurts is a central piece of the puzzle when it comes to the running game and what the Eagles want to do. You have to defend him at, at all times against design quarterback runs and a, a, a variety of option plays that they also will kind of put in the call sheet and so this will slow down the edge rushes because now you got to make sure he's he's executing the run he's giving the ball off he's not pulling it that slows everything down whereas with brock purdy yes you have to honor the play fake and the backside bootleg but brock purdy running 400 yards that's not necessarily a, a viable option for the niners is very viable for the Philadelphia Eagles because we've seen Jalen Hurts do it in the past.
0: Yeah, I actually think you might see the Niners come out, try and run the ball uh, to try and slow down this front. I think McCaffrey gets a lot of touches. I think Debo gets some touches in the backfield as well. I think you're going to see the Eagles. I'd be shocked if they don't come out and try and take some shots early in this game. I, I think when you look at Lenore at the corner spot, um, I think they go after him a little bit and try and stretch him out a little bit early, try and see if they can't get this defense to expand and then start running the ball after that. That would be my guess with how the Eagles' offense approaches it. Again, look for some of these over-the-top home run balls early in the game. Uh, Nick Sirianni likes to be aggressive, so that'll be something uh, to keep an eye on there. Uh, we look at the way these teams are built, Buck, um, is it just another example of you win offensive line, defensive line? We can look at all the playmakers. These teams are loaded with playmakers, but uh, mm-hmm. offensive line-wise, they can move people. Defensive line-wise, they can get after you. I mean, I, I think they're, I mean, very, very similar with how they've, uh, how they've built these rosters.
4: Yeah, very similar. But the Philadelphia Eagles have certainly invested in the trench warriors, as we call them. Uh, their ability to move people off the ball in the run game. They dominated the New York Giants. And you remember how we talked about the Giants' defense the week before after we watched them uh, really throttle the Minnesota Vikings? They ran right at my guys. Dexter Lawrence and all those big guys on the inside had no problem moving them off the ball, and the success on the ground really highlighted the physicality, the toughness, and the overall athleticism of the Eagles' front line. And then defensively, I mean, you just talk about it. This team, it seems like each week they're getting six or more sacks. Uh, they get after you. Uh, you think about the number of guys they can throw at you. They can do it in waves. And the scary thing about the Eagles, they haven't even had to tap into their first round pick yet. Like, when you think about when Jordan Davis and some of the other guys that they have just sitting on the shelf grow up and develop and become monsters. Holy smokes. We're talking about a five or six-year run from the Philadelphia Eagles, where they are going to absolutely be a problem on offense and defense.
0: It's rare uh, nowadays to be able to to kind of let your young guys sit and develop as opposed to have to throw them right out there, but they just have so much depth, and Howie Roseman's done such a great job with the salary cap there. They're, they're able to do that. So they haven't had to pay the quarterback yet either. That, that, uh, that day's coming. They're going to have to pay the piper there uh, with Jalen Hurts. Again, should be a fascinating game. Should be a very close game, a fourth-quarter game, Uh, Something I think we see in the AFC Championship game as well. Uh, Let's take a quick break, Buck. We'll come back. We'll jump into Bengals-Chiefs, a matchup that has been one-sided, really. The Bengals have owned the Kansas City Chiefs. Three straight wins. Does that continue? Uh, We'll talk about that right after the break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, All right, buck, let's keep the conversation going here. Bengals Chiefs, again, another really evenly matched game. Think about last year, uh that game in overtime, the Bengals beat the Chiefs 27 to 24. They capture the AFC Championship and move on to the Super Bowl. Again, I think these teams very evenly matched. I know the Bengals, there is something to be said for the fact they've beat these guys 3 times in a row. I think the environment there in Kansas City, the fear factor. I don't know if that really uh, is going to shake the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow.
4: No, it won't shake them. And I heard uh, Joe Burrow have an interesting conversation at his presser where he talked about, you know, just looking around the locker room and the guys that the Bengals have acquired, all of those guys played at top programs in college, and a lot of them competed for national titles. And so the big game thing doesn't really impact them as much as maybe some of the other teams. And when you think about the Cincinnati Bengals and you talk about a lesson to be learned from their team-building process – um, I guess these guys are doing like Warren Buffett. They're just going with the brand names. DJ, when I went up and down their <laughs> roster, I only found two guys that didn't play at a Power Five or Group of Five program. I mean, I, to me, that's remarkable in this day and age when we talk about finding the hidden gems at lower, at, at smaller schools and trying to like, dust those guys off and maybe find a diamond in the rough. Uh, Mike Brown and, and Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, like, no, we're good. We can go to the best programs, the best schools, take their players, and we're going to throw a collection of those guys out there. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're winning people because their stars are playing like stars on the major stage. I do believe there's something to be said for their team building approach. I mean, they just have a collection of big time players who played big games at big schools and it's paying off handsomely for them in the postseason. Well, you lead me to the question because it made some headlines when Brandon Bean uh, said
0: what he said at his press conference the other day with the Buffalo Bills, saying, "Hey, I don't want to suck bad enough to be in position to get, you know, Jamar Chase and a Joe Burrow," Uh, which was interesting. I think it it caught some people off guard, maybe rubbed some folks the wrong way there in Cincinnati. Uh, But that is, I mean, it is something that's true. I don't know that you say that at a press conference. Maybe something you Mm -hmm. say around the building uh, when you're frustrated, just coming off of a loss, Mm -hmm. but. Brandon is is right, man. You've got premier players, and they're on rookie contracts. So when you can have the you know the luck to have those top picks in the years where you have those type of guys, yeah, it's an advantage, um, and it's one where once Joe Burrow gets paid, once Jamar Chase gets paid, uh, some of these other guys are going to have to go. They're not going to be able to have the depth in their roster that they have right now. That's why it almost feels like, man, this is this is kind of the time here. Uh, for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I know Kansas City has paid Patrick Mahomes and they're right there and they've kind of figured out a formula and how they kind of reworked some contracts, uh, moved on from Tyree Kill, spread that money around. There's a formula to do it. But in terms of where they are right now, this, this group that they have with Cincinnati, it feels like there's some urgency there for them to get this done right now.
4: There's some urgency, and DJ, I don't know if you saw the, the stat that's floating around Twitter where they're talking about uh, the quarterbacks that are actually going to the Super Bowl are the ones that are on rookie deals, or on very, very cheap contracts. And yeah. when we think about how hard it is, the challenge of building a roster when you have your quarterback on a big money deal, it does change the math a little bit. It also exposes your drafting practices when it comes to how you acquire players and the players that you're bringing in. Because when you pay the quarterback, man, drafting – Becomes more magnified, because those guys you have to have pop. Because we talk about cheap labor and the draft, being able to procure a a vehicle for you to get talent um, at at low market prices, you you have to be able to hit on some of those. And so the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do that. But when we think about the Bengals and what the Bengals will need to do in the future, uh, they're going to have to continue to keep drafting well. But the difference will be they'll go from drafting in the top 10 where it's easier to get a blue chip player to now when you're drafting in the 20s your scouting department your scouts have to be more on it because there's more projection involved in those things and top 10 yeah you're talking about production and those guys they should be easier to find
0: well, you know it's interesting when you said that about the big school and having played in big games you know i'm, I'm cross checking you here buck and i'm looking at the roster here for the cincinnati Bengals. and and correct me if i'm wrong but I, these guys have played in either national championship games or in playoff games. Jamar Chase, obviously, at LSU. T. Higgins at Clemson. uh, Jonah Williams at Alabama. Um, You look at uh, Joe Burrow, obviously, winning a national championship. Joe Mixon at Oklahoma. And those are five other name-brand key dudes uh, just on offense that you could say have played at the highest level on the biggest stage in college. I do think that's a great point. Um, I I think that's – you know, the environment – some of the environments you play in college are going to be more difficult than the environments you play in the NFL, and that is a great training ground for these guys to not be – not be too, uh, too big, try and be too big in those moments. They've already been in some really big moments, man. I think it's a fascinating point.
4: So that comes to me, I can't say that that was all of, of mine, but when I was a player back in Green Bay, I had a conversation with Hall of Fame executive Ron Wolf, and Ron Wolf talked about, you know, you want to go and get guys. I want to see guys that played at big schools in big games and full stadiums, 100,000, because that's as close as you can get to being able to play in the National Football League. And as much as I like to put on my scouting hat and find those guys at the small schools or whatever, there's a time factor when it comes to development. By the time I develop them in two, three, four years, do I have enough time to then sign them and get what I want out of them? Meaning, can I get a return on my investment in terms of the time and the resources that we have to pour into them? I would rather see guys on the big stage and say, hey, these guys have played at big programs. I am going to bank on that because remember when it comes to scouting, you're trying to increase your odds of hitting on a guy. And so maybe there's something to the Cincinnati Bengals saying, yeah, we're going to go focus on these guys that are playing in these big games because we're more likely to know who they are and what they're about because we've seen them play against best, like best on best competition. Maybe there is something to it that other teams and scouts will explore because it certainly seems to be working for the Bengals.
0: Yeah. And I look at the, uh, the fascinating thing is we switch over to the Kansas City Chiefs, how, the, how Brett Veach has kind of reworked this roster a little bit, Buck, and I look at their construction. They took their money and kind of took it out of the receiver room, and they put it into the offensive line room. If you look mm-hmm. where they've kind of invested over the last few years, Orlando Brown, obviously the trade, he gets, he gets, has, a, he's on a big number there uh, at left tackle. Joe Tooney comes over as a high-priced free agent. He's been a great player. They spent a second-round pick on Creed Humphrey. Um, been one of the best centers in the nfl that's high capital high draft capital there trey smith was just a, a gift from heaven that fell because of some medical stuff they end up hitting oh him in the gosh. sixth round didn't cost him as much there but they but they've invested there then you look at the receiver position they've kind of spread it out after tyreek hill moves on you got juju's not making a ton of money justin watson's been a you know an effective player for them mbs you've got sky Moore, who's a second round pick Kadarius Tony didn't cost you much. I think what like a three, uh, what they ended up trading for him. So they've kind of mm-hmm. taken that money. It's interesting how you can allocate it in different areas. And I think it goes to the point that we've always talked about: you have a big time quarterback like that. Let's put some pieces in front of him, and uh, and then man, you just get it. You can spread the resources at the receiver position because he
4: elevates all of their play because he's such an unbelievable talent. Yeah, DJ, I think that is the lesson to be learned from that. Uh, do what you need to do to get the five star quarterback. And then build around him and the way that they're building around him is what you're talking about give him the fortress and then put it on pat mahomes hey man i need you to elevate the pieces you're the star now i need you to elevate these other guys by putting the ball consistently in the strike zone by extending plays and finding a way to produce explosive plays on your talents the better the quarterback the more chances you can take on the perimeter the less of the quarterback, the more that he falls into that game manager category, the better the weapons need to be on the outside. And Pat Mahomes, we're talking about argue, the, no, We're talking about the best quarterback in football when it comes to skills and what he's done early in his career. We're now seeing what we always talk about. Elite quarterbacks can raise the level of play of those around them, provided they're protected. He's done that. He's done it year after year after year, which is why they're in their fifth straight championship game which is crazy to even think about.
0: So let me just play this game. If you took running backs, tight ends, receivers for both these teams, because we we can say, look, I know there's been some arguments out there, you know, Joe Burrow Mm. versus Patrick Mahomes. I'm not here to wage that war. I think they're both unbelievable talents. They're different in how they play the game. They're both incredible. So if we don't want to get into that conversation, I do think it's interesting if you looked at the skill players Travis Kelsey would be probably the first or second pick. It would be between him and Jamar Chase, you know, uh, of who that first pick would be. You know, so let's give Kelsey one of those first two spots. After that, Buck, I think you would have those three Bengal receivers. Uh, You would have Joe Mixon. I I think all four of those guys would go before the next chief would go. I mean, I think they have much better supporting cast in terms of high-impact dudes with those three ba- those three wideouts, as well as as Joe Mixon back there.
4: Yeah, no, DJ, I think that's the thing. And he- here's what I always say when people are trying to make the comparison. One, when we talk about uh, Joe Burrow and if he is able to win, it'd be the fourth time that he's knocked off Pat Mahomes. But I'll say this. What if we put Pat Mahomes in Cincinnati? What would that offense look like? Cause he's throwing for over 5,000 yards and he doesn't have that. So now you give him those guys, you talk about a video game exploding. I mean, that's a Madden rating of 99 with that offense. How do you slow them down? And so (laughs) that is the thing. Both guys are great in in, in their own way, but I mean, let's, Hey, let's, let's hold on to that. Like I love Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow definitely is one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. And I think there are only three or four in this league. He's one of those guys. Uh, but Pat Mahomes, he's a unicorn. He's a he's
0: a rare find. No doubt. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating game here. Again, we'll see. This Kansas City Chiefs defensive line is really good. Um, Karloftis has gotten better as the season's gone along. We know Chris Jones is an elite, elite, elite player. Frank Clark, playoff Frank Clark. Um, you know, Everybody knows what he can do and the level he can get to. I think that's going to be where it's won or lost. I think if they can get to Joe Burrow, which is very hard to do because the ball comes out, if they can get to Joe Burrow, the Kansas City Chiefs win, uh, if this offensive line plays as well as they did last week, I don't see Cincinnati losing this ball game. Uh, that to me is going to be everything in this game because um, yeah, I think if, if you can't get to Joe Burrow, he's going to carve up the secondary man.
4: No, he, he, he absolutely will. But I think everyone has to remember this because sometimes what gets lost in the fact that the Bengals have won the last three games, every game has been a tight game. And you know, oh, yeah. the ball bounces your way a handful of times or whatever. At some point, that thing is going to bounce in the way of the red guys. And so you just have to be careful uh, when it comes to this. And I know this is one that's Chippy, Eli Apple, and all these guys like to talk and all that. So it should be a fun game to watch. I'm just hoping it's one of those fourth quarter thrillers where the ball is in the hands of the quarterback. And man, the quarterbacks have to make a series of plays to get this done. I don't know if you're going to ask for two better quarterbacks to be in that position. Joe Burr on one hand, Pat Mahomes on the other. We've seen these guys do it time and time again. Uh, I'm just going to sit back and, and, and watch and relax and, and, and just really marvel at what they bring to the table.
0: No doubt. It's going to be a great game. Again, a four-quarter game. I think it's really close. Can't wait to see how that one shakes out. Uh, man, this has been fun, Buck, J- digging into these games. We'll, uh, we'll be back to recap them uh, next week as well as jump into some heavy draft talk. You're going to be at the East-West. I'm going to be out at the Senior Bowl. Um, so we we'll have a lot more draft talk coming your way. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging with us today. Uh, we got to re- remind you, you can catch all the Move the Sticks content. You can go to NFL.com, the NFL app. Uh, it's all out there for you. Go to the NFL's YouTube channel as well. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks.